welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week we're going over UFC Vegas 35, headlined by a pivotal featherweight scrap between Giga Takadze and Edson Barboza. The winner of this fight will definitely get scooted up that 145 pound ranking, especially considering that uh, Edson Barboza has a two fight winning streak and Giga Takadze has been absolutely tearing up uh, his stint while in the UFC. Now, I apologize for the late drop of this podcast if you guys remember i was actually out in vegas for the last card i was flying pretty much all day sunday took me the majority of monday to get my wits back about me and then on tuesday i was getting down to the tape studying but still managed to get the content out for the patreon members especially the best bets and props article uh but it took me a while to get the video aspects of these down but luckily it's still out don't want to miss any weeks no matter how late i end up dropping them i still want to drop it for you guys uh but yeah i'll just quickly talk about my ufc apex experience it was probably one of the greatest things i've ever been a part of and will be very tough to top i think the only thing that comes close to me close to that for me is when I was able to work on media role for UFC 129. If you guys remember that, that was George St. Pierre against Jake Shields way back at uh, in Toronto at the Sky Dome, aka the Rogers Center, where we had 55,000 fans and we had a great card, not to mention the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. So it's going to be very hard to top that, but this Apex experience came damn close. Uh, All-inclusive food, drink, and then obviously being, the, being seated where we were, the view of the fights was absolutely amazing, and I I can't wait to go back to the apex i actually have a ticket to go out and watch ufc 266 down in vegas as well at the end of september but i am looking to sell my ticket so that i can parlay that to eventually go back to the apex in november or december of this year uh to at least take in those fights one more time because god damn was it fun it was so fun uh again the experience was amazing vegas was amazing shout out to my guy nick kalikas who really gave me a you know was was a big part in terms of me having fun out there right friday night me and him go out there and get a little shit face drinking some aloe head and some modelo and then the the literally right after the fights i went back to circa to collect some of the winnings that i managed to scrape out from that uh, vegas card and uh you know he showed me the the back ends of pretty much everything that he runs over there at circus sportsbook so uh yeah it's very fun to see a lot of the 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 behind the scenes stuff the control room as they call it um very very great and i'm very thankful of the experience i was able to have over those last uh couple days last weekend but we're back at it we got two straight events coming to you guys uh this week and next week and then there's an off week for the ufc uh but well we're right back to work like i said um let's uh or last thing i want to do before actually getting into the uh the the betting recap for last week's event lock of the night merch i haven't really talked about it actually i talked about it a little bit it is in the description below but this this sweater as well as some shirts and some mugs and some tumblers and a couple of the other uh mma lotn versus the bookie shirts they're all available for sale on the uh the link in the description below it's actually my mother-in-law's company who actually uh does crafting it's a crafting company and she's pretty much done all my merch for me except the hats that i've gotten in the past uh no hats yet i will be looking to do something with those in the future but if you guys want some sweaters hoodies uh again mugs uh water bottles all that type of shit that's going to be at the link in the description below so if you want to rep your boy go check out the link it's not too expensive either i think you guys will enjoy the prices and the quality of the the stuff once you get them so make sure you guys check out the lock of the night merch all right let's get into the best or sorry the the betting recap for last event which is ufc vegas 34 and oh god it's so great cashing these tickets in person so let's start off with the lock of the night play we went four units deep on brian kelleher at minus 180 
Love that spot there. I thought he was going to go out there and knock out Domingo Polarte, but I will gladly take a 15-minute grapple fucking if that's what it takes to cash a ticket. Now, on TV, probably didn't look the most thrilling, but you bet I was on the edge of my seat for the majority of that fight, hoping that Domingo Polarte wasn't going to throw up a submission of some sort and catch Brian Kelleher in something. Luckily for us, Brian Kelleher is such a goddamn veteran that he stayed out of those submission attempts and still landed big enough shots from on top to uh, sway the judges towards him and, and get that decision victory. So we cashed the lock of the night play once again. That's three straight lock of the night hits, three straight winning events. And also we did hit the dog of the night play as well. The under two and a half in the Brandon Royval and Alexandria Pantoja fight. One unit at plus 125 caches for 1.25 units. And I was getting shit all week from some random people that are watching my streams and commenting on my videos that it was a dumb bet to be betting Pantoja uh, and Royval under two and a half, considering that the majority of the time when these guys lose, it goes to a decision. They never fought each other. And we know what to expect whenever Brandon Royval steps into the cage. And luckily for us, we saw a finish and uh, we get to cash that dog of the night play. So plus 3.47 units on the night, 69% ROI. Very happy with that. Three straight winning events, which means the official picks are only going to be behind the Patreon paywall now until we hit the next losing event. So if you're looking to get the free pick or the free picks, they're not dropping this week. I apologize. You guys are going to have to check out the Patreon, which the link is in the description below. That's the best place for you guys to check it out, as well as the best bets and props article. I also dropped some uh, prize picks tips for you guys on there. Um, I'll be putting up the final bets post very shortly, which goes through you know my official bets, the, the bets that was close to betting, uh, my prop parlay, uh, Hail Mary parlay, the Gabby Garcia parlay, and I also threw up a multi-event parlay on there as well for you guys. So if any of that interests you, Five bucks a month, Patreon, best bang for your buck you're going to get on the market, in my opinion, not to mention the innovator over here <laughs> with the Patreon uh, going out there. So shout out to all the 400 plus current Patreon members that we have. The, the, the number has kind of been lingering around that 400, 420 mark. I'm hoping to eventually hit 500, but the way to do that is to continue to win events. So I'm, I have my eyes set on that 11 event winning streak that I had earlier in this year. I want to top that. I want to get past that. I want to get to 12, 13, 14, 15 and hopefully that this uh, the streak that we're currently on is uh you know the beginning of that and i'm going to do my damnedest and stay the safest i possibly can while giving you guys the best bets i can as well lastly shout out to coolbet coolbet.com promo code mmalotn2 when you guys sign up they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks um and yeah, trust me, you guys are going to want to check it out. I love CoolBet. They got great odds on there. Not to mention you can parlay props, which is something that a lot of people and a lot of degenerates want to go out there and do. I think you'll be very satisfied with CoolBet. So make sure you guys go check it out. Once again, that's promo code MMALOTN2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. All right, I'm going to quit the jibber jabbering because there's a ton of fights for us to break down for you guys. And I know you guys can't wait for it. I'll see you guys on the other side. Manda Martinez versus Guido Canetti. We got minus 255 on Martinez and plus 235 is the return on Guido Canetti. And now I think this fight is going to be absolute violence. Um, if the widely available line was two and a half and not one and a half on the total, the under two and a half will more than likely be my lock of the night play for this card. With that said, if you have access to the fight doesn't go to decision, I think that's a great parlay piece as I bo think both these guys are going to go out there and bang and one of them is going to end up dropping. I ultimately think it's going to be Martinez that ends up getting that knockout blow and putting Guido down and out. 
It's been a while since we've seen the 41-year-old Guido inside the cage. I believe the last time was UFC 248, right before the pandemic hit, and he ended up getting knocked out by Denai Batgadil pretty early in that fight. And then before that, ended up getting finished by Marlon Vera in the second round via submission. It seems more often than not when Guido loses, he's getting finished. And it seems like more often than not when Manna's winning, He's knocking his opponents out and getting the finish, which is what I think the exact uh, thing will be here. So in, instead of playing Mana straight, you know, I think there is a chance that Guido could potentially find the knockout of his own. That's definitely in the cards here. I would rather take the fight doesn't go to decision. Like I said, it's roughly around the same price as the, the money line here on Martinez. And if you think Martinez wins, more than likely you think that he finishes Guido here. So why not just take the safer route, especially with it covering with the potential of Kennedy getting a knockout victory of his own, which I think is definitely live. I think the line is a little bit too wide. You know, I think a lot of people are just really low on Kennedy here. You know, how can't you be two straight losses that he's coming off of? Not to mention the 41-year-old age that he's currently sitting at. But I think that doesn't matter as much here considering the type of fight that we're, go we're going to be getting, which I think is going to be a firefight. I think Martinez pretty much brings that out of all of his opponents, which is why the majority of his fights don't see the judges' scorecards. And uh, with Kennedy, on the other hand, I think, what is it, two or three out of his 13 fights have seen the judges' scorecards, all of which he has won. Um, I do think that we're going to see violence in this fight. I do think that both guys have a lot to bring to the table here, especially on the Mano Martinez side, who just lost his head coach last week from COVID. So you got to believe... He has a little extra fire in his belly coming into this fight so that he can go out there and, you know, make his coach proud, who's probably looking down upon him during this fight. I do like Martinez here. I think he finds that uh, that knockout blow relatively early here and, uh, you know, hopefully walks home with a performance bonus as well. So I do like Martin Martinez and I'm going to take him to win this fight by first round knockout. Jamal Emers versus Pat Sabatini. We got minus 145 on Emers and plus 125 on Pat Sabatini. Now, this should be a great fight. I believe it's the first or second fight on the card here. And I think it did. It should bring the action, especially in the grappling realm, as Pat Sabatini heavily relies on grappling to get the uh, the victories in his fights. Uh, very good wrestler, very good jiu-jitsu player as well. But I think he's going to be uh, kind of uh, stunted here against a guy like Jamal Emers, who has some great wrestling of his own. And I do think that Emers actually has the advantage in the striking realm pat sabatini obviously very uh kind of uh still working out his uh, full game right like he's still uh trying to work out his striking game as that's probably the weakest part of his game and that's where i think that jamal emers has this most sizable advantage uh in this fight i think that we'll see jamal emers use his grappling defensively here so that he can keep this fight in the stand-up range and then let his strikes go I've been burned by Emers so many times in the past, you know, backing him, thinking he's going to go out there and give us a grapple-heavy game plan. Then he goes out there and strikes for a little bit longer than he should and ends up losing his fights. You know, most notably that Giga Chikadze fight and even the Julian Arosa fight from his Dana White Contender Series days. With that said... I do think that his striking will be his, uh, the key to his victory here. Uh, and, and you know what? Knowing my luck, if I do end up pulling the trigger on Jamal Emers here, he's going to go out there and get grapple fucked and uh, you know look to grapple and continuously lose those positions. But I do have some decent confidence here that him being the much bigger fighter, you know, he has a two-inch height advantage as well as a four-inch reach advantage. But even when these guys square off, you're definitely going to see the the difference there. I, I, I like what we see from Emers, man. I think the guy still has some good potential. He's 32 years 
years old, uh, 23 fights in his career, but I feel like we haven't seen the best of him yet. Uh, I do like him in this spot. Like I said, I think he stuffs the grapple-heavy approach from Pat Sabatini. We have seen Sabatini kind of slow down later in fights as well. Jamal Emmers, on the other hand, I think he has a great gas tank. He's gone five rounds in the past if he needs to, and I do think that we'll see him be the fresher fighter once that third round hits. I like Emmers here. I'm not 100% sure if he'll be able to put Pat Sabatini's lights out, but I do think that he'll be a very successful on the feet, winning the fight on the feet, uh, racking up the points. Again, possibly finding a knockout. We have seen Sabatini knocked out in the past, most notably four fights ago uh, in the CFFC. But I do think that Emmers will play this as safe as possible. And he probably won't be able to let go on his strikes fully as there will always be that potential of the counter takedown from Pat Sabatini, you know, following up on any, uh, you know, any overextension from Jamal Emmers uh, in this spot. So I like Emmers. Going to take Emmers by uh, decision here. Uh, I think this is a great stylistic matchup for him. Uh, and he should win it pretty decisively. I think he'll end up looking like a minus 200, minus 250 in the spot if the fight goes the way that I envision it going. So I'm going Jamal Emmers and I'm taking him to win this fight via decision. JJ Aldrich taking on Vanessa Demopoulos. We got minus 400 from JJ Aldrich and plus 350 for the UFC newcomer Vanessa Demopoulos. Let's start off on the Demopoulos side of things, who was the, uh, I believe, strawweight champion over there at LFA before Lupita Godinez took it away from her. We did see Demopoulos also in the contender series lose to Corey McKenna, although we did see uh, Demopoulos pick up a win in her last fight against Cynthia Arceo, where she finished her in that fight as a minus 225 favorite. But here she comes in on short notice to take on JJ Aldridge who is scheduled to fight Tracy Cortez Cortez pulls out in steps of Vanessa Demopoulos and I think that this is a lot easier of a fight for JJ Aldridge this time around now Aldridge sitting at minus 400 just lets you know right off the bat that she should go out there and dominate this fight but it's always difficult to tell whether a fighter like this is going to go out there and get a finish which is something that's not historically a part of their winning conditions or if they're going to go out there and get a pretty decisive decision victory Given the fact that Demopolis is coming up a weight class and she's going to be the much smaller girl here, I think she's going to have to rely heavily on her durability as J.J. Aldrich has some pretty good striking, very crisp strikes down the middle and does a good job in terms of putting pressure on her opponents. But I think that Demopolis will be good enough in terms of sustaining that damage but still going out there and losing a decision in this fight. I think that J.J. Aldrich has Demopolis pretty much covered everywhere and I think the only way Demopolis wins this fight is if she ends up pulling off a submission off of her back. Otherwise, I think that we see Aldrich control the top position or which i think is going to be the way to go is in the striking realm she's just going to go out there and outpoint her on the feet push her up against the cage up when she needs to but i do think that she has this fight covered pretty much everywhere i know a lot of people are concerned in terms of taking jj aldrich at minus 400 or you know any women's mma fighter at minus 400 but i feel like this spot is definitely justified and we'll definitely see that once this fight actually kicks off and within the first minute and a half we should see the the dominance that jj aldrich should be able to assert here i've seen a couple people go out there and say that you know aldrich inside the distance is probably a good look here but again historically speaking aldrich is not uh an in the side the distance fighter and you can say that also when uh, eubanks fought elise reed but i think that the significant advantage that eubanks had on the ground compared compared to Elise Reed uh, was the huge difference maker there here whereas Aldrich you know she's better than Vanessa Demopoulos pretty much everywhere but I don't think it's to a significant extent where we'll see uh, JJ Aldrich absolutely manhandle and maul uh, Vanessa Demopoulos in this spot I like Aldrich here I do think she wins this fight again having a little bit of issues in terms of uh, pinpointing the method of victory but for the sake of this podcast I'm going to go with uh, JJ Aldrich to win this fight via decision 
Dustin Jacoby versus Darren Stewart. We got minus 185 on Dustin Jacoby and plus 170 is the return here on Darren Stewart. Now, this is the second fight up for Darren Stewart up at 205 pounds. I believe that it was just something temporary the last time he fought Eric Anders as they just wanted to quickly rerun that uh, or redo the match uh, between him and Eric Anders considering the way that the first one ended in a no contest. I think they just wanted to get back into the cage really quickly and thought that 205 was the best way to do it. Uh, but here, Darren Stewart is a couple months later, uh, going up to 100, uh, 205 pounds once again and taking on a much larger Dustin Jacoby. Now, this fight could be very fun depending on how Darren Stewart uh, uh, approaches it. But I do think that we're going to see some violence in this fight, which is why the under two and a half is quite intriguing to me. I think Darren Stewart will look to go out there and try to wrestle, but I think that it will be all for naught, and I think that we'll see Dustin Jacoby, uh, you know, uh, defend takedowns, or even if he gets taken down, I think we'll see him get back to his feet pretty easily, and then start letting his strikes go, eventually finding that knockout in the second or third round. Darren Stewart, on the other hand, has some big power in his hands too, so I think that even when he decides to, you know, kind of scrap the grapple-heavy game plan, he's going to go out there and throw some big hands as well, and I think he could potentially find a knockout of his own. So to get this under at plus money, I think is pretty good especially considering that you know i know the majority of their past couple fights have gone to a decision i think the way that these guys match up and the distance in which darren stewart's gonna have to cover to you know land any type of success against dustin jacoby will always put him in a sense of danger but even if he gets the strikes off and finds the target he could potentially find the knockout of his own the way that i think it's going to go down is we'll see about three or four minutes of grapple heavy uh attempts from darren stewart but we'll see dustin jacoby very much uh do a very good job in terms of uh, defending them or getting back to his feet and then really letting those uh, calf kicks and leg kicks go eventually allowing him to use his hands to go upstairs and find that knockout probably in the second round here um I like what Dustin Jacoby brings to the table. A very good all-around fighter, good kickboxer. Uh, but I like what we're seeing in terms of his grappling as well. He's doing a good job in terms of you know nullifying the amount of success grapplers are having against him, and then letting his hands go and really accumulating enough damage to sway the judges in his favor. I do think that he won't have to worry about the judges this time around, though, because I do think he'll eventually go out there and finish Darren Stewart probably in the second round after battering the lead leg of Darren Stewart early in this fight. So I like the under two and a half. I took the shot at plus 135. You can still get it around plus 150, which I think is still a great line, obviously, especially if I took the shot at plus 135. But I do think the knockout's going to come from the Dustin Jacoby side here. And I think he gets the finish in inside two rounds here against Darren Stewart. So once again, I'm going to go with Dustin Jacoby to win this fight via KO in round two. Wellington Terman versus Sam Alvey. We got minus 115 on Terman and plus 105 is the return here on Sam Alvey. And now this is a pretty easy fight to break down, right? I almost consider breaking down Sam Alvey fights to a Derek Lewis fight. We know that we're always going to get him backing up. We know that we're, his back is always going to be touching the cage. But you know that he has a ton of power in his hands, which is fight-changing power. And I think that's going to be very relevant here against a guy like Wellington Terman. Now, pre-fight... You know, it, it's up in the air. Post-fight, it's going to look like a minus 300 no matter which way it goes. You know, Wellington Terman will absolutely have the ability to go out there and win more minutes than what Sam Alvey is going to bring to the table. You know, if we see him have success, I think it's going to have to come with the takedowns. But Sam Alvey, you know, as you know, as deteriorated deteriorated of a version of we, as we've been seeing of Sam Alvey lately, you know, at that spry age of 35 years old, 
His takedown defense still looks decent, and his get-up game looks good as well. It looks very difficult to hold this guy down, and I think that Terman will have that uh, that issue here as well. Now, when this fight is in the striking realm, again, Terman's going to have to be very, very careful. You have a two-inch height advantage for Sam Alvey, as well as a four-inch reach advantage, so you better believe that Sam Alvey is going to be able to land those power shots as a counter whenever he wants. Terman's going to have to be very, very careful, and he's going to have to fight a perfect fight here. Otherwise, he's going to get knocked to the moon. And I do like the prop bet here on Sam Alvey at plus 300 to win by KO, as that is likely his best path to victory in this fight. There's obviously the possibility of him winning by club and sub, and I think that would be a bad beat if we actually end up taking the KO in the spot. And, you know, it's a huge red flag, especially on this entire card, when Sam Alvey is my second favorite dog on the card. Um, again, this is the spot where he's probably going to be losing the majority of the fight until he finds that knockout blow. And I think it definitely works in favor of Sam Alvey, especially considering uh, the, the lack of durability that we've been seeing from Wellington Terman over his last two fights. I'm not 100% sure why how you can be you know very very confident and determined in this spot. I believe it's either him grinding this fight out, being successful at takedowns and kind of just staying away from the big power of Alvi or it's Alvi nuking this guy at any point in this fight. I think the only bet that you can truly make in this spot is Sam Alvi by KO at plus 300 that's as that's probably the best path to victory for him and the best juice that you're going to get out of the squeeze of this fight. Um but it's very, very uh, concerning, considering that uh, Sam Alvey is 0-5-1 in his last six fights, and he's pretty much fighting for his job at this point in time. So uh, he's back at 185 pounds. Um, you know, I believe this is going to be a second fight back down to 185 pounds. That just goes to show that, you know, he got comfortable up there at 205, but now he's really fighting for his job, especially trying to make that 185-pound limit. So I like Alvey here. Um, you know, ever so slightly, I think he ends up getting the knockout here. I will be sprinkling that plus 300 KO line as I do think that it's, uh, you know, quite generous, especially considering that it's probably Sam Alvey's best path to victory in this fight. And Wellington Terman's durability has just not looked good. Terman has great potential. He's only 25 years old, but if he can take some serious shots on the chin here from Sam Alvey and continue chugging forward, he'll have a little bit more of my respect. But up until that point, I'm going to fade him here, especially against a guy like Sam Alvey, who has fight-ending power. So I'm going to go with Sam Alvey, and I'll take him to win this fight by second-round KO. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan going up against Alessio D. Carrico. We got minus 230 on T. Carrico and plus 210 or plus 200 on Al-Hassan. Now, one thing I want to actually point your attention to on the graphic here, look at the odds of both of their fights, their last fights. <coughs> Excuse me. Minus 300 for Razak Al-Hassan against Jacob Malkoon. Uh, and then plus 225 for D. Carrico in his last fight. Now, stylistically speaking, we almost got a similar fight for D. Carrico compared to what he had last time, which was be careful of not getting knocked the fuck out by a guy like Joel King Buckley who throws nothing but heat, although he can do it for three rounds compared to Al-Hassan, who seems to only have one round of that serious power. Other than that, it seems like you can beat him in rounds two and round three quite easily. So it's interesting that D. Carrico is pretty much in the same position as last time. However, he was a massive underdog last time, and now he's a pretty hefty favorite. And this time around against pretty much the prototypical same fighter uh, as uh, as the last time he fought. Again, although 
he doesn't have to worry about that power for the majority of 15 minutes. I think that that is definitely why people feel a lot more comfortable with Di Carrico here. Now, defensively speaking, he's a good striker. Uh, he does kind of reduce the amount of damage that is really laid out there on him. So I don't think that he'll be in too much trouble here against a guy like Al Hassan. Although the last time we do remember him getting hit was kind of when he had his guard down a little bit against Zach Cummings late in their fight and ate that huge head kick, which ultimately, in my opinion, swayed the fight towards Zach Cummings. If Decrico can stay safe here against a smaller Al Hassan, you know, he's going to have a two inch height advantage as well as a one inch reach advantage. If you guys remember, Al Hassan had issues making 170 pounds and has been forced to go up to 185 pounds, this fight being the second time. Uh, I think that D. Kriegel can stay safe enough in that first round, whether it's being all the way in or staying all the way out and just letting Al Hassan kind of just get all those that power out. The issue here for Abdul Razak Al Hassan and kind of capping him in this fight is that, you know, now he's you know, hopefully comfortable at 185 pounds and he knows that his back is up against the wall. Are we going to see a different type of approach from him here? Are we going to see a little bit more measured Al Hassan? Who knows? That? Okay, I'm going to have to go out there and fight for 15 minutes. Uh, you know, if I can't get that knockout on the first round, you know, don't don't rush it. Don't tire yourself out trying to get that knockout because we know what happens you know you go out there and you lose a decision or you you know like it happened in the Lizez fight it happened in the Malkoon fight it happened in the Akhmedov fight you got to believe at a certain point in time that he's going to have learned his lesson but his back is up against the wall we don't know if we're going to get a guy that's a bat out of hell you know coming out of that uh coming into that first round or if he's going to remain disciplined all we can go is uh, off of is you know what historically these guys normally fight like right with Alessio Di Carico kind of measured not super high volume but does a good job of staying defensively sound uh, with the striking game but also doing a good job in terms of laying out enough damage on his opponents to hopefully get a judge's decision. Now uh, we are in his last five fights for Di Carico uh, he is sandwiching a three fight losing streak. He has a win over Julian Marquez and then he goes on a three fight losing streak against guys like kevin holland no real shame in that let's be honest as much of a joke as kevin holland has been over the last little while now loses this fight against mahmoud murdov uh by decision and then obviously loses the uh, zach coming fight by decision as well i apologize i have alfred sitting here down with me as well and it seems like he was uh kind of choking on something but he's good he's good he figured it out uh, and then obviously he gets that knockout victory over Joel King Buckley to, to round out his last five there so he's gonna have to get a, a streak going if he wants any relevancy inside this middleweight division with the UFC but getting a win over a guy like Abdul Razak Al-Hassan as a pretty hefty favor will mean a lot for him here I think he can do it I think he can stay away from the power early and then win the next two rounds. I'm going with D. Carico, but the, you know that heavy chalk is a little bit of a concern for me, so I might not have too much action here on D. Carico. I'm going D. Carico, and I'm taking him to win this fight via decision. Gerald Mirchard versus Mahmoud Muradov. We got minus 620 on Mahmoud Muradov and plus 460 on GM3 here. And this fight's pretty easy to break down here. GM3's best path to victory will be to take this fight to the ground or survive the early onslaught for Muradov and try to pull off a late victory here, more than likely by submission. Otherwise, he's probably going to get torched up on the feet here. I think that Mahmoud Muradov's hand speed is going to be a little bit too much. And I think the striking is going to be a little bit too much for GM3 to truly uh, be able to get comfortable with. Uh, for me, it's kind of 
figuring out when Mar- Murdov is going to get this done with. Is he going to play it safe early and then start to open up later? Or does he just try to look to get a GM3 out of there early so he doesn't have too long to actually participate in this fight and actually uh, you know risk losing this fight himself? I do think that it's going to be him um going out there and, and winning this fight late i do think that he puts it on early here against uh Mearshart. uh sorry he 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 stays disciplined early against Mearshart, and i'm sure he's gonna have to defend a couple takedowns and clinch positions as well but i think that later that this fight goes uh he's gonna start to let his hands go a little bit more and he should be able to start to find the chin of gm3 eventually grounding him and putting him out i think Muradov has a pretty bright future you know he's 31 years old 25 and 6 record 31 fights of experience 32 after this weekend i do think he can make a run in that top 15 top 10 of this division but he's gonna have to start fighting fighters with you know a little bit more behind their name than uh, Gerald Mearshart. Mearshart, on the other hand, saved his job last time around by submitting Bartos Fabinski, showing that his jiu-jitsu could definitely, uh, you know, still make it very difficult for a lot of opponents to get his to get their victories. But it's the uh, process of getting the fight to the ground and getting the jiu-jitsu going that I think he's going to struggle with, especially here against a guy like Mahmoud Murdov. I love Murdov in this situation. Again. He's in his prime. Uh, the striking is vastly in his favor. And I do think that defensively speaking, in terms of his grappling, he should be safe enough that he won't be in too much trouble no matter what GM3 throws at him out there. So I like Muradov here. And I'm going to call him to win this fight either by second or third round knockout. And I'll probably be poking that third round knockout prop as well. And that would be three straight fights where he goes out there and gets a finish in the third round. Hopefully we can call it once again. So Muradov, round three, knockout. Andre Petrovsky versus Michael Gilmore. We got minus 485 on Petrovsky and plus 390 is a return here on Michael Gilmore. Now, these guys are obviously off of the Ultimate Fighter season. And the only other two guys that actually are getting a shot on uh, in the UFC, or at least on this card, other than the guys that obviously made it to the finale. Now, that just goes to show that the UFC actually believes that one of these guys is going to be a decent prospect within the UFC. And you got to believe it's the heavy favorite in Andre Petrovsky. Petrovsky... A very impressive on his regional uh, debut and obviously that one fight that he had against Aaron Phillips before running into uh, running into Brian Battle in the, the, the second fight. But Petrovsky's game is pretty obvious. Very solid wrestling background, very good jiu-jitsu background as well. He wants to ground this fight as soon as possible and get to work from there. The majority of his wins coming in the first round. I believe one of them actually happened in the second round. And then he did end up losing his last fight before coming on to the Ultimate Fighter against Aaron Jeffrey, who I truly believe is going to be in the UFC in no time. That guy is a very good fighter, a stud on the regional scene. And it's just a matter of time before he makes it to the UFC. But he beat the he beat Petrovsky the exact same way that Brian Battle did. Just withstand that early barrage and then you know Petrosi is going to start to gas out and then he can start to take over in the second and third rounds uh, Michael Gilmore you know he has some good power in his hands and that's really about it you know he has a six and three professional record with three of those losses all coming via submission all coming under a round and a half we can make it four if you want to talk about his Gilbert Urbina fight where he ended up you know coming in on somewhat short notice and then getting choked out relatively easily I think Petrosi is going to have his way with him quite easily in this fight however i see a lot of people going out there and just parlaying petroski at that minus 500 ish range that he's at i think his win condition comes early in this fight so why not just take the under one and a half that's exactly what i'm going to be doing here at minus 150 i think it's pretty much playing petroski money line here as i do think that he's going to be able to ground this fight within the first 30 to 45 seconds and then go to work and quickly find a finish um, thereafter 
I think he is much, much better on the ground than Gilmore. Gilmore shows a lot of deficiencies on the ground, and I think that Petroski will be able to get those dominant positions, and either it's going to be a TKO from full mount, or he's eventually going to get the back, get a TKO from there, or take home that neck with him. I just don't think that Gilmore's on his level at all. The, 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 this is probably the, the widest skill gap on the entire card, maybe with the exception of Muradov and Mearshart, but I think that Petrovsky has all the tools here and all the advantages to get this fight to the ground and get it done with. He does show a little bit of hesitancy and um, you know nervousness in his striking, but he does a really good job in terms of just bull rushing his opponents and getting him to the ground and then going to work with his ground game, which is his bread and butter. So Michael Gilmore could absolutely catch him on the feet here, but that's really his only shot other than if this fight does find itself in the 7th, 8th, and ninth minutes of the fight. I do think that his cardio will be better, and I do think he could eventually put Petrovsky's lights out if he does survive the first onslaught. I just don't see it happening. I love the under one and a half here. Petrovsky in round one at plus 110 is not too bad of a line either, but I think he cruises. And there's a reason that the UFC is actually bringing, the, bringing both of these guys back, specifically Petrovsky, because they do think that he has a bright future, and as do I. So rather than taking the minus 500, let's take that under one and a half. Or let's take Petrovsky in round one at plus 110. Much better than playing him at the money line, especially with that suspect cardio. If this fight does reach that over one and a half mark or that third round, there's a very high possibility that Michael Gilmer puts his lights out. So why not get more, you know, bang for your buck rather than just parlaying that minus 500 in Petrovsky. So I like Petrovsky here. I think he cruises, but I think he gets it done relatively easily and quickly in that first round. I'm going to go Andre Petrovsky first round submission. Daniel Rodriguez versus Kevin Lee. We got minus 150 on the returning phenom Kevin Lee and plus 130 on D-Rod here. And I'm very intrigued by this fight because we're getting Kevin Lee finally comfortable up there at 170 pounds. And it seems like he's truly filled out his body to make that weight class comfortably but not be too undersized especially going up against a guy in Daniel Rodriguez here who obviously has a height advantage in this spot. And Kevin Lee, obviously we know what his bread and butter is. He wants to take the fight to the ground and try to grind out his opponents. Uh, but he has shown cardio issues in the past, especially when he's forced to put on a high pace. Luckily for him, Daniel Rodriguez is not that guy who's going to force him to take a high pace. But I do think that Rodriguez will have the advantage if this fight remains in the striking realm. I find it difficult to believe that Kevin Lee will have trouble grounding Daniel Rodriguez time and time again in this fight. And I do think that we see him be successful in that right from the jump my issue here though is the, the the layoff and the injuries and surgeries that kevin lee has had to go through over the last year and a half if you guys remember he was actually the last event or he headlined the last event against now lightweight champion charles Oliveira right before the covid shutdown happened he was the last event over there in brazil and they had no crowd in the stands or anything like that it was a very eerie event but we did get that was definitely the last time we saw kevin lee inside the cage since then you know dan rodriguez has been able to put together at least five fights um you know if i'm not mistaken he made his ufc debut about a month prior to that kevin lee and charles Oliveira fight but he's been staying very busy during the COVID situation and I believe he's been been able to put together a 4-1 record with that one loss coming to Nicholas Dalby which was a very close fight could have gone either way but he does end up shitting the bet as a minus 345 favorite in that fight 
Rodriguez, decent on the ground. I believe he's a purple belt in uh, the 10th Planet system. Uh, but I do think that his guard game will be good enough to at least keep Kevin Lee from getting to crazy dominant positions where uh, Kevin Lee will you know, be able to get fight-ending sequences going. I do think we'll see Kevin Lee pass guard every now and then, but I think we'll see Daniel Rodriguez retain guard and just uh, you know, kind of just make Kevin Lee work from on top and allow him to just get some control time. And I think that Rodriguez will struggle to get back to his feet. Um, you know, enough to, to really make it difficult for Kevin Lee to get his own game off. Kevin Lee, again, will get this fight to the ground over and over again over the 15-minute period. I think he wins this fight via decision. I think it'll be a good comeback fight for him, but I'm, I'm still not sold on him being at 170 pounds. Let's get him a couple fights in. You know, his one fight experience going up there against Rafael Dos Anjos didn't work the greatest, but apparently he was like one foot in, one foot out going up to welterweight, whereas now he's like... 100%, I'm staying at 170 pounds. I'm going to get my body to be comfortable at this weight class. And it looks like it. By all indications, he looks like he's in great shape. Looks like he made the weight quite easily. And I think that uh, he's definitely going to give some problems to Daniel Rodriguez this weekend. He would be considered a locker than I play if it wasn't for all those out-of-the-cage factors of the surgeries and injuries. Outside of that, I still feel quite confident in him. I don't think that Daniel Rodriguez will knock him out. And I think we'll see Kevin Lee ground this fight, like I said rounds one two and three and then eventually take home a decision victory so once again i'm going with kevin lee to win this fight via decision next up we got the first of two uh ultimate fighter finale fights uh this one is for the bantamweight division we got ricky tercios going up against brady uh he stand i believe that's how you actually pronounce his name we got minus 150 on tercios and plus 130 on he stand and uh very interesting fight here we got a guy with 12 fights of experience in ricky tercios who's been on the uh contender series actually i believe he was on the first ever contender series event uh back in 2017 if i'm not mistaken Ends up coming up short against Boston Salmon and then ends up putting together a 2-1 and one record during that amount of time before getting his call up to the Ultimate Fighter once again. Brian Heastand, on the other hand, has one loss on his uh, six-fight pro career, but he's only sitting at 22 years old, so there's plenty of room for this guy to go out there and grow and possibly showcase that he could be a much better fighter than he is currently today. Now, I believe that Heastand has a very solid uh, wrestling background, which I believe is going to come into play here against Ricky Tercios, uh, but he does obviously have some big uh, power in his hands as he showed in that fight against Vince Murdoch as he was able to dispatch of him relatively quickly in that fight. Uh, I think he's then will look to play it a little bit more disciplined, use that wrestling, try to ground Tercios over and over again and hopefully look for a decision victory here, although I do think that he'd be confident enough to throw his hands, especially considering how weird and awkward uh tercios fights and uh you know especially with the striking style uh he does leave a lot of openings for a lot of opponents to kind of counter him and then eventually try to put his uh lights out just like mana martinez did two fights ago Tercios, like I said, has some good uh, experience under his belt. Um, you know, probably one of the more experienced guys that was on the Ultimate Fighter show outside of Josh Reddinghouse, who Brady Heastand, Brady Heastand actually ended up getting a victory over. Uh, but Tercios, you know, very squirmy on the ground, has some good scrambles, has some good uh, grappling of his own, uh, very weird striking style as well. I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for Brady to actually kind of corral him and, and find him. But once he does, I think he'll get his wrestling going and should be able to get some good top control here against Tercios. There aren't 
many underdog or plus money spots that I really like on this card, but Heastown was definitely one of those guys. But even then, I still feel a little bit concerned in, t- in terms of pulling the trigger on him. I do think he wins this fight. I do think he grinds this fight out. But the rawness and greenness of his game still gives me some pause. But I do think that if he's able to round that game out and work on that cardio a little bit more as well, he should be a really good prospect in the UFC and could develop into a top 20-ish type of fighter but he's still so young six pro mma fights and got some good experience on the ultimate fighter obviously picking up wins over josh reddinghouse and vince murdoch i do i do though i do think those fights will come into play here in terms of being able to go out there and dispatch of a guy like ricky tercios i love brady here um Plus 140-ish, I didn't mind that earlier in the week. Uh, I do think he ends up pulling off the victory here. Tercios is, is a fun fighter to watch, but I think he is going to be in for a little bit of trouble here, especially once Brady gets a, uh, gets a hold of him. So I'm going to be going with he stand. I'll be taking him to win by decision, and that shall be your 135-pound ultimate fighter for the ultimate fighter season 29. Once again, I'm going with Brady he stand via decision. We got the middleweight ultimate fighter finale coming up here between Brian Battle and short notice Gilbert Urbina, who actually got knocked out by Trishan Gore in his second fight on the ultimate fighter. And it was actually supposed to be Gore taking on Brian Battle here. Unfortunately, Gore, I believe, suffers a knee injury, if I'm not mistaken. And he's been pulled out of the fight in steps Gilbert Urbina. And luckily for Brian Battle, this is a little bit easier of a fight for him to deal with compared to what he was going to be having to deal with against Trishan Gore. Now, Brian Battle, uh, highly touted prospect coming into the professional MMA scene especially with the uh with the uh amateur record that he was able to accrue I believe it was an eight and two record with uh two of those wins actually coming over Impa Kasanganai and Cody Brundage which is obviously really good to have on your amateur record and get that type of experience before even turning pro and then since turning pro he's only had a one loss that was his second fight where he ended up getting caught in an arm bar pretty early in his fight but we are definitely seeing him get a lot more comfortable inside the cage, especially with the striking. And I think that kind of allows him to be a little bit more comfortable in the cage rather than just going out there and spamming takedowns and, you know, getting caught in a, a submission of some sort because you're just a little bit too jacked up to go in there and get the takedown. And then you got to figure out what to do after that. But seems like he's developed a decent kicking game as well as you know <clears throat> throwing some volume behind it and staying on the outside and really giving tr- uh, people trouble just from that alone especially in his first fight uh, i believe the kid's name was uh uh, Le- uh man i can't remember the kid's name it, it was a uh, a russian dude if i could be uh, i i could be mistaken levon lemchenkov or something like that regardless in that fight we saw his opponent pretty much marching down the entire time but battle did a really good job of getting his shots off from the outside laying a takedown here or there as well but he did go- do some good work from the outside and showed that he can definitely win a fight off of volume alone he's definitely going to need that here against gilbert urbina as urbina is not as high volume as him and i think that if he goes out there and tries to rely on his grappling background he's going to be in for a short night because i do think that brian battle is the better wrestler and the better grappler he could get battle to the ground but i think that battle will do a good job of getting back to his feet and then getting back to his own game which i think will be volume clinch fucking and possibly even a takedown of his own uh i feel pretty good about brian battle in the spot he was up there for me as a, a possible lock of the night play and at minus 170 i think the line is somewhat accurate i said earlier in the week that i think it's a little bit wide but the more that i look into it the more that i look at it i think the line is quite accurate in the spot gilbert abina you know I don't think he's going to be in the UFC for that long. I think he's just doing the UFC a favor at this point in time in terms of stepping in, but he leaves a lot to be desired as well. You know, there's a lot of times in a lot of his fights where you see him, even the Trevino fight, his last pro fight, 
before stepping onto the Ultimate Fighter scene, there's so many times where it feels like any other opponent will probably take advantage of certain scenarios and transitions, but it seemed like Trivino just did not have the gas tank to do so, and he more than willingly accepted back position and allowed Gilbert Rabina to kind of just get his own game off. Uh, I don't think we'll see that quit from Brian Battle, though. I think we'll see Battle control this fight from minute 1 to minute 15, as I do believe this fight will go the full 15 minutes. Both guys are quite durable, uh, uh, even though Brian Battle has a ton of finishes on his record. I think that our brain will be able to kind of withstand the uh, the the you know full MMA arsenal that Brian Battle will bring into this fight. So I do like Battle here. I think he wins this fight decision by decision, and I think he'll be crowned the 185 pound Ultimate Fighter finale champion, whatever the fuck they call him. I do believe he will be the 185 Ultimate Fighter um, for for this season. What season is it? I believe it's Tough 29. Ultimate Fighter 29 middleweight champion is going to be Brian Battle. <laughs> and I'm picking him to win this fight via decision. Time for the main event. We got Edson Barboza going up against Giga Chikadze. This is a very interesting featherweight matchup, especially considering that Giga Chikadze is having this meteoric rise over his last couple of fights, especially after dispatching a Cub Swanson with the ease that he did, in which last time I believe it was only a one-minute fight where he landed that Giga kick to the liver and it was done shortly thereafter. And now he finds himself in a main event slot against a guy like Edson Barboza, who has a plethora of wealth of experience underneath his belt especially against high level of competition and that seems to be the elephant in the room here especially when breaking down this fight is you got you know Giga Chikadze fighting the ghost of Cub Swanson and Jamie Simmons whereas Edson Barboza in his last two fights alone fighting guys like Shane Burgos and Malquan Amir Khani so there's a huge level of competition discrepancy here in terms of what these guys have been facing in the past however I don't want to completely write off Giga Chikadze just off of that argument alone the guy is a very good and skilled striker there's a reason he's undefeated in the UFC and has been able to kind of get himself to the spot uh, of having a main event slot in the UFC but you know this is going to be the biggest test of his career and if he's able to pass this we got to start giving the guy a little bit more respect now Edson Barboza has been scheduled for four five rounds twice in the past one of those fights again ended very quickly by Justin Gaethje and then the second of those being against Kevin Lee where Kevin Lee was able to uh actually dispatch of Edson Barboza late in that fight I believe in the fifth round he was stopped due to a doctor stoppage um, but uh, Edson Barboza has definitely felt what rounds four and five feel like that's something that Giga Chikadze cannot say with that said I still believe that Giga Chikadze does have a little bit of cardio issues which I think will come into play here and I believe that will affect his activity especially the later that this fight goes Barboza on the other hand is very active as well has some good combinations and usually stays quite consistent in terms of throwing something out there to remove main active and kind of trying to, to disrupt his opponent especially if they're trying to figure out a way to get comfortable and get their own game going very impressive performance from Barboza last time around the dispatching of Shane Burgos in that third round you know that was that weird one where uh, there's a late reaction from the Shane Burgos side and he ended up toppling over and uh, you know getting knocked out in that fight I'm a big fan of this fight. I'm having a very difficult time in terms of picking a side here as both guys are great in the striking realm, obviously. You got to give a slight advantage in the, in the grappling to Edson Barboza, although he doesn't seem to use it that often, but you got to believe that he's going to have the advantage in this fight should the fight hit the mat. I'd be surprised if the fight did hit the mat, to be honest. I'm very much liking the Edson Barboza side here. 
actually let me dial that back a bit not very much i'm slightly liking the edson barboza side here the line is pretty good as well at minus 115 but the side that i actually like the most is actually the under four and a half i do think that we'll see some violence in this fight from both guys and then i ultimately think it's going to be barboza that gets his hand raised after giga starts to slow down in the third fourth and fifth rounds and we see barboza come home with a late tko stoppage in this fight so i think the under four and a half is currently sitting around minus 130 minus 135 think it's worth that little bit of chalk there as both of these guys are going to be trying to knock each other out and giga chikadze if he's not going to be able to get it done within the first 10 minutes i think he's going to find some trouble especially in those later rounds so i have a stab on barboza in rounds three four and five as well as the under four and a half here as i do think that's probably the strongest spot on this fight is um is uh a late finish from either guy or sorry an early finish from giga or a late finish from barboza but i do think barboza has more tools in the in his uh toolkit as well as uh the wealth of experience i think is very much in favor of edson barboza here so i'm going with edson i'm going to take him to win by fourth round tko in this spot and uh yeah that should derail the hype train that has become giga chikadze over his last couple fights i still think giga will do some good things in the ufc but I gotta take Edson Barboza uh, for this weekend, and I'm gonna be taking him to win this fight via TKO in round four. And that's a wrap on the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys uh, want to support your boy a little bit more, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. And if you guys want to check out the Patreon, the link is in the description below. Five bucks a month ton of great perks also including something i didn't say at the top of the show is the uh discord community which is lively uh we got a ton of people dropping other picks and they're not just for mma but for baseball soccer all that type of shit it's a great positive community uh and we all have the same goal we want to put a little extra cash in our pockets and they're definitely doing a damn good job of doing so so shout out to the patreon also shout out to coolbet coolbet.com use promo code mmaotn2 and they will match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks and lastly, I just want to give another shout out to the uh, MMA LOT and Lurch. Uh, Lurch? Merch. <laughs> I meant to say merch. Uh, link is in the description below if you want to go out there and rep your boy. That's the best way to do so. So make sure you guys check out the link below for that. And that's a wrap. We got one more event in this consecutive run for the UFC next weekend where we got Darren Till going up against Derek Brunson. And then we got one weekend off the UFC. We can catch our breaths and then get right back into it. So good luck on your bets this weekend. And let's cash some tickets, fellas.